Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, September 23rd, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 55, the last paragraph in this book you will read. We're reading through two paragraphs, ending with to the point of self-destruction and commenting on both. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Carmela G., 12 Traditions, Anita L., and readers of the text, Lynn F., Russ M., and Ginger C. The reference numbers for Sunday, September the 22nd, is 13429. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carmela G. to read the 12 steps. Thank you so much, Lynn. This is Carmela G. from New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. And Anita L. will read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 55, the last paragraph in this book you will read. We're reading through two paragraphs ending with the point of self-destruction and commenting on both. And Lynn F., would you read for us, please? 
Yes, good morning, Lynn S., and good morning, my fellows. This is Lynn F., Recovered in Pennsylvania. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought was an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration, business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. And thank you. And in looking at this um, paragraph, I was moved to look up the word dogged. That's not a term we use frequently today. And what it means is having or showing tenacity, grim persistence, Um, and so I can relate to grim persistence in my past as a compulsive overeater untreated. Um, I'd like to remember myself as the, um, in the previous paragraph where, uh, it talks about having, um, you know, join the choice of uh, joining everyone on the broad highway or not, you know, and that I, I can't fail, but really, what brought me uh, to my knees in recovery was um, my own um, inability to do anything anymore. And so my, this morning, my, um, I, what I remembered was the, um, I had, um, before I came into recovery, I had a doctor tell me twice over the course of two years that OA was a possibility for me. And, at 265 plus pounds, it wasn't something I really thought I needed um, because I could just do something, you know, magazine diet, pay and weigh, et cetera. But um, my, my uh, God shot, my moment where God opened up for me and, and showed me just how self-destructed I was. Um, I, I was at a funeral and uh, there was, about 200 people in attendance in this funeral and many of which were were first responders and I fell. And not only did I fall, uh, but before I fell, the first thing that happened was that while I was watching the casket getting lowered into the ground of our friend who was 55 years old, a a thunderbolt message came barreling through my mind and that was he he has no more Mondays. This 52-year-old man has no more Mondays. And I, um, and, and, and turning around I, and leaving the, the grave, I fell. And it was 265 pounds and my knees were scraped up. And, and that, was, that was February. And I didn't come in because I still had more um, ideas to smash. I still was rebellious. I still didn't believe the... Um, bitter nature of my situation and it took me till the uh, following March on March 25th 
where I um, I listened to what God, the message that God had for me, and I, I began my journey with all of you on the broad highway. So that's what came up for me this morning, and I'll, I'll look forward to the rest of the meeting. Thanks for letting me share. Thank, excuse me. Thank you, Lynn F. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everybody. Thanks, Harlan. Got you. Um, I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. So who would like to share? Ginger C. Alita J. Shannon D. Okay, I'll tell you who I have right now. Lynn, we're not hearing you. Lynn S, star one on mute. We lost you. Okay, can I be heard? Yes, I hear you now. Thank you, thank you. Sorry, the voice came on, was talking to me. Okay, this is who I have. I have Harlan G, Ginger C, Alita J, and Shannon D. Is there anyone else who'd like to share? Okay, let's start with that lineup then. We've got Harlan G, followed by Ginger C. Thanks, Lynn. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are talking about a very instrumental piece of AA history here. A person named John Fitzhugh Mayo, Fitz Mayo was what he was referred to as, and Fitz was a very good friend to Bill Wilson. Fitz will enter into the town's hospital in the fall of 1935, and just after Dr. Bob and Bill uh, met in, in May of 35, and Bill is going to stay with Dr. Bob until September of 1935, what's going to happen is the second person in New York that is going to sober up from the town's hospital with this new situation is going to be Fitz Mayo. He has a strong religious background. His story, Our Southern Friend, appears in every edition, but in the fourth edition, it appears on page 208. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Fitz Mayo, his story is Our Southern Friend on page 208. He is also referred to in the doctor's opinion on page XXXI, and on XXXI, the paragraph near the bottom of the page when I need a mental uplift what he the uh, Dr. Silkworth is talking about his meeting with Fitz Mayo Fitz's sister Agnes will loan AA $1,000 to get the book printed but besides that let's get down to kind of brass tacks here Fitz went from being a very religious boy growing up in an Episcopal home 
and he is going to kind of boomerang. He's going to get drunk. He's going to become an alcoholic. He, well, he is an alcoholic, not become. He is an alcoholic. Uh, members of his family are going to die in an insane asylum. His brother is going to die in an insane asylum. There is suicide and mental illness all over his family. He begins to question God. He begins to be angry at God. He begins, begins to get hostile at God. He is going to undergo a spiritual experience by working the steps, the six-step program of the Oxford Group, as it was then. He is going to convert to a person who is very into God, and Jimmy Burwell is his very good friend, and Jimmy Burwell was the resident atheist of AA, and they're going to get into it quite a bit. Fitz wanted more and more God references, more and more references to Christianity in the big book. Jimmy wanted none. Bill was kind of in the middle umpiring, and they decided on less and less than what Fitz wanted and a little bit more of what, of what Jimmy Burwell wanted. But Fitz's sobriety is going to live forever, as all good deeds do here, because he is going to found AA in Washington, D.C. He is going to be the first person to start an AA group in Washington, D.C. And Fitz is going to also be, be the one that houses the Wilsons when they lose their home. Uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan G. Ginger C., it's your turn, followed by Alita J. Hi, Lynn. Good morning, and thank you for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And I'm just looking at this last sentence. This brought him to the point of self-destruction. And self-destruction is a behavior that causes serious harm to oneself. And only addicts, you know, we're the only people that almost uh, die to be reborn. But that's the reality of addiction because it's progressive, it's fatal in nature, and it only gets worse, never better. And I'm just so grateful for every beautiful bite that I took because one less bite and I may not be sharing this message of recovery with you this morning. It took what it took to get where I got. And so thank God for research and going back out over and over. Never thought it would end. Thought the nightmare was just going to be part of my story, eating until my last uh, breath on this planet. But it takes what it takes. And I'm so grateful, as I said, because until I conceded, until I was really convinced and I gave this disease the credit it deserves, I wasn't going anywhere. Because life would press in and I needed some effect and I thought that sugar was the lesser of the two evils. It wasn't drugs, it wasn't alcohol, it wasn't that bad until it became that bad. Until it was my life. Until I felt like I had a bottle of Smirnoff uh, vodka on my nightstand and it was just lemon heads in a drawer. But again, this is not about relief. This is not about a Band-Aid, you know, and just wanting a little temporary feel better. This is about recovery and a price has to be paid. And it's not simple. It is simple. It's not easy, though. It's hard work. It's a destruction of the self-centeredness. But again, thank God I finally got it and I no longer have food as an option and I no longer see it as a solution. 
it scares the crap out of me to think about picking that fork back up and returning to the nightmare. And most importantly, for this family that I took through with me, they would die if they saw me eating again. They are so amazed who this person has merged, and it's only because of the grace of God. So, again, I am so grateful for the pain and the reality of research because it takes what it takes, but until you're really done, you're really out of ideas, you're just willing to do whatever, no questions, no wondering how is it going to work, will it work? No, you just get busy and you get better. That's how it works. So thank God for the pain, that self-destruction that I finally came to because today I have recovery from it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Alita J., it's your turn, followed by Shannon D. Good morning. Um, My name is Alita J. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. I had a lot of religious, I have a lot of religious background. Um, When I was small, um, we attended church every Sunday, Sunday school. When we were with our grandparents, we had devotions in the evening. And to this day, I'm amazed that nothing ever clicked with me. Nothing clicked. Uh, to me, it was just, it was, it, it just didn't click. And um, I didn't interact well with my siblings. Um, when there were altercations, I would go run and hide, basically run and hide in the food after the age of 13. Um, at the age of 13 is when my compulsive reading started. I decided that... Um, Something in my life happened that I didn't understand, and I decided to go to the food instead of go to someone for help and and go to self-sufficiency. Um, and this, um, I, this just led me down some roads that were not pretty, uh, hurting myself and lots of other people, self-destruction and destruction of relationships. Until I came to OA in 2004, I'm so very grateful. It says in the beginning of our reading that um, towards the beginning, his change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. And, and that's what it takes is a change of heart. And I'm beginning to notice a change of heart in me because my heart had become hardened over through fear, re- build up a resentment, pride. Um, the food, stuffing all my feelings down with food for years and years and years. And I'm so grateful for these 12 steps and for the fellowship. It's been an amazing change for, of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm indebted to all, everyone who has helped me and everyone on the line who is working this program with me. I can never give back what I've been so freely given. And I am so very eternally grateful to a loving God and to this program and to all of you. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Alita J. Shannon D., it's your turn, followed by an announcement from Larry K. Shannon, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. This is Shannon D., a compulsive eater from Durham, North Carolina. And, um, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share and for all the shares in your service. When 
when I heard that paragraph read, I'm driving, so I wasn't reading along, but it sounded like a version of the bedevilment. And I know there's a, a fuller version where all kinds of things that can go wrong when we're in the food are listed, but I could relate to um, the lack of financial insecurity and the thoughts of suicide and the things that were referenced for this fellow. And when I was, first I got sober from actual alcohol. And when I was a year sober, um, I was still binging my face off and starving myself. And so basically I was a dry drunk and I lost my job. And when I finally put down the food is when everything started changing in my life. And um, a new job appeared that's better than any job I had before. And that was the first time I felt like there was a higher power that cared about me, that was putting me where I needed to be. So today, as I'm driving down the road, I think about how I couldn't go from point A to point B without stopping at a convenience store. I was just always stopping for something to put in my mouth. And being so stuffed with my will, I had no room really for a higher power in my life. And today, um, now that I I weigh and I measure my food and I eat it just uh, specific times a day, there's all this space, and I don't do well with a whole lot of um, unplanned space and time, so a lot of it is filled with my version of prayer, which is nothing fancy, but I have time to ask my higher power for help, sometimes just to get me down the road, sometimes to get me through a tough situation with my students or something that's troubling my heart, and I didn't have any big um religious experience, but my whole life has changed since I've put down the food and surrendered my life to this way of life, and I'm very grateful. So thank you all. I hope everybody has a good day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Shannon D. And now Larry Kay has an announcement for us. Please go ahead, Larry. We just lost everyone. Thanks, Lynn. I can't remember if Leah told me I have 45 seconds or 20 minutes, but anyway, I think it's closer to 45 seconds. So we have our convention, right? It's uh, November 15th through the 17th. It's at the Marriott Hotel and Convention Center in Newark, New Jersey, the Liberty International Airport. Um, you can get on our website uh, for more information, and the registration closes October 24th. So www.avisionforyou.info. Pretty cool, my experience. You know, you get to we get to learn the big book together. Um, we can you you also get to put a face with uh, with some of the re- recovered voices that you hear. Um, one of the examples for me, uh, well, Harlan, totally unapproachable. If you know him, uh, there's like a you know you won't see the guy. There's a, like a security detail, a canine unit. You can't look him in the eye. Um, you can't take any pictures of this guy. They'll confiscate your phone. But other than Harlan, you know, there's some really lovely people that, um, you know, that you'll meet. And um, what a, all jokes aside, what a terrific opportunity. It was, it's a real catalyst moment for people 
to not only learn the big book, but it's family. You know, you got, you got people, we all got here on a losing streak. There's no hierarchy here. Um, I can remember, you know, there's tears for some people, tears of joy, tears of pain. There is, um, there's a lot of laughter and smiling as well. And I can remember, um, I'll just never forget someone in Virginia Beach the first year that, uh, you know, she had food up in her room. And uh, she doesn't do that anymore today. So it's pretty extraordinary, the springboard to freedom for people. And I really encourage anyone at all to come because um, we're, we're an all-inclusive group. We're never exclusive. So come in November. Look forward to seeing everybody. And we'll hand it back over to you, Lynn. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. And looking forward to seeing everybody there. Okay, the line is now open for sharing. Again, please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. And if you haven't shared in the last two days, I'd like to encourage you to take this opportunity. Who'd like Reda to share? Reda H. Ida A. Jody E. What page, please? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your first name. I just heard H. Loretta H. Loretta, great. No, I got you, Loretta. Loretta H, Ida A, Jody E. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's go with that lineup. So it's Loretta H, Ida A, and Jody E. Loretta, please go ahead. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for, again, this healing meeting that has saved my life for a long time. This is Loretta H. I live in Raleigh, graced with God's abstinence for today, anorexic and compulsive overeater. And I am so grateful for the reading, the self-destruction. Oh, my God, that was my story, and I'm sticking to it. I did grow up in a um, religious home. My mother was very religious. I think she was even spiritual because she saved us with her prayers from my alcoholic father. But um, as I grew up and the disease took me over at five, I used it to control my parents' fighting. Um, it um, Basically, I had contempt for any type of religion, any type of spirituality, any type of anything, until I was brought to my knees in 2001, or actually 2000, when I was actually going to jump off my terrace in New York City because I couldn't stop binging. And with God's grace, on January 2001, I met Ebby. And Ebby, basically, if it is an otter god, she was in recovery. In fact, today she has 45 years. She took me through this book, but she also came to my home because otter god, she was a dietitian. I mean, all this can't be, I mean, it just can't be believed unless I believe today. And um, as it says on 164, because I keep, reading the big book over and over again, and you say it every day, make sure your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass. And that is what I found since I've had a spiritual awakening. I 
did have a spiritual experience when I let Abby take my food, but the awakening didn't come until I did the steps. And it's better than ever. And as I shared last week, all week, um, 158, when I came to know God, I came to know myself. And I'm so grateful because God has given me a I'm 72 now, and I have a really big life that is love, patience, tolerance, and see with that my relationships are right. And I couldn't even have relationships before this program, whether it was with God or anybody. And I've been married 50 years. And today, my relationship with everybody in my inner circle is God grace. So thank you, everybody. I pass, and please... Please keep coming back because it works. I'm going to tell you. Thank you. Thank you, Loretta H. Ida A., it's your turn, followed by Jody E. Please go ahead, Ida. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Lynn S., and thanks for, for um, a beautiful meeting that I can count on. Ida A. here, Northern British Columbia, still a grateful compulsive overeater, and the program has continued to come alive despite what's happening in my life, which is extraordinary. And I lean into what's been read today, and I go, wow, that's so true. So here's a gentleman that had a change of heart, and, and it was, what does it say, dramatic, convincing, and moving. And then they share in this reading the kind of calamitous things that he was encountering, which put, put the things that I've been through to like nothing. And, you know, I have heard through you wonderful visionaries, so many of you have had a change of heart too. And in the beginning, you know, I think I was rebellious. I didn't really want to believe what you had to share. And the God thing was really a kind of a turnoff. I, too, attended church school, but really it, uh, knowledge was my God and food was my God of choice in action. And, gosh, have things changed dramatically in the last year? And certainly because of sitting here, wherever I am at the moment, and all of the messages you have shared have gotten through. So anybody still in the food, sitting out there eating your drug of choice? It's weird, but it is about God, but it doesn't feel like the same God. I today have a loving, kind, generous God. I'm sitting here in the dark. I haven't had electricity in three weeks. I have four candles, and I have a spelunker. Is that what you call them, those headlamps? And and I'm sitting here with a battery pack connected to my phone because I need my medicine. And my medicine is hearing the gift of love and generosity and sometimes suffering that all of you have been through to get to the place where you can have a relationship with your creator and, and all of us. And slowly, I am becoming less of an isolated Ida and more of a we. I'm super excited about the convention and uh, connecting with many of you. Later today, thanks to the grace of our Arizona gentleman, I'll look up uh, our Southern Friends story on page 208. And I had a lot, lot of laughs this morning from, my, from our Colorado friend, or Colorado, from our Chicago friend that got me excited about the conference again. And bless you all for being here. I feel like so many times I'm sitting, not by myself, but in a room full of 300 and some people, 400 and some people, 
that love me back to myself. And it works. It really does. Blessings, everybody. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Ida A. And Jody E., it's your turn. Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody E., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in California. And thanks to Harlan for the history. I appreciate it. So um, I, too, like Fitz, was raised in a religious home, fairly religious. But I, I wasn't rebellious. I accepted what I was taught, pretty much. Um, but I was, there was trouble and frustration in my life. There was, there was insanity and suicide in my family. My mother was paranoid schizophrenic and committed suicide. When I was 12, my brother was an alcoholic. My father drank. Um, there was a lot, I felt that I had a lot of personal frust, uh, trouble and frustration. I didn't seem to be able to make a living or to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And I was using food from childhood. Um, that was my comfort and my ease for all the troubles that were going on in my home. Um, by the, at about the age of 29, I was starting to think that I would end up like my mother. And um, my uh, depression was pretty severe. It it did feel like impending collapse. And my brother, the alcoholic, had gotten sober and gave me a big book one day, even though he knew I was not an alcoholic, I am not. And I picked up this book and I could instantly relate to the actor who wanted to run the show and it wasn't coming off very well. Is it odd or is it God? That, that uh, you know, that book was given to me so many years ago and, and then I saw an ad for OA a few days later and then I got to a meeting and it's been a beautiful journey ever since. I too am grateful for this meeting upon which I can depend. What a great way to describe it. I woke up this morning at about 2 o'clock and um, have been meditating, just waiting for this meeting to start. Anyway, thank you all for being here. I'm so grateful to have found you all. Blessings. Thank you, Jody E. For those of us who may have come online a little later, we are on page 55, the last paragraph in this book you will read. We're reading through two paragraphs, ending with to the point of self-destruction and commenting on both paragraphs. So I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last two days to take this opportunity. Who would like to share? Jen A. This is Larry. I've got Jen A and Larry K. Who else would like to share? Beth W. Beth W. Devora S. Devora S. Nora S. 
Laura F. Okay, let's see how we do with that lineup. I have Jen A, Larry K, Beth W, Devorah S, and Laura F. Okay, Jen A, please go ahead. Thank you so much. This is Jen A, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, Bulimic, in Littleton, Colorado. So on this line, you're going to hear the experience of many people who think they were atheists. And their stories are so interesting that you should call in every day, right? This change of heart that all these people have had on this line is dramatic, right? There's, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of emotion, right? It's powerful. It's noticeable on the lines, right? We call in and we hear it. It's also convincing, If you're not convinced over the line, show up in Newark and see people face to face. See the sparkle in their eye. See the joy in their step. Sit with them and 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 hold hands with them and go out and just just talk to people and get involved, right? Um, And it's moving too, right? We know that it's moving because we hear that a change has occurred on this line in people. It's impactful, right? It's super impressive. Why do you call in every day? That's why I called in. I wanted to know how these people got recovered and why they said they were recovered. It touched my life, right? It's this change of heart that happens. From 1939 to 2019, how? Because all these people speak a language of the heart, a language of the heart. And what is God? God is love. that simple without a pass. Thank you, Jen A. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Beth W. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah, I wanted to chime in on this. Um, you know, one of the things um, that, I, that I learned about Fitz Mayo was that he was, uh, by his own admission, he was drunk when his mother-in-law died, when his own mother died. And he was drunk even when his child was born. And when I think about that, you know, it reminds me of all the experiences I missed as a result of this disease. There's many things I missed that I ate over. And since my perception will always guide my experience until I gain access to a mechanism that will change my prevailing consciousness, I need something to change the perceptive lens in which I see the world I will continue to remain tethered to misfortune, to missing out on life. You know, we can, we, I've heard it said on this line, you know, there's, there's two deaths. There's, there's the last breath death, but then there's the, you know, the, 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 the death that we experience when we're, we're, we're alive, we're breathing, but we're not really living. We're dead inside. And this disease takes that from us, you know, and, and so these paragraphs and, and learning about Fitzmayo are important to me because even though it was years and years and years ago, I can identify in with that because I missed so much. I, I did miss uh, the experience of grieving from this disease. I also missed many beautiful, lovely experiences of, of you know, of, of rebirth and friendships and all those things. I miss those things. The, the, the disease robbed me of those experiences and I needed a change. I needed an internal restructuring. Fitz Mayo got the same internal restructuring I suspect that I do and that's available to you and me today as a result of these steps. When we work these steps, we begin to change 
and the perceptive lens in which we see the world changes. We're given access to a power greater than ourselves. And yes, the obsession for Fitzmaio to drink again never returned. And the, and, and the obsession to eat again can never return for you. You can cross that bridge to freedom. I know that because it happened to me. And that's what this program offers is change. It's all about change, a perceptive change that's brought about through access to a, a power greater than ourselves. That's what this whole chapter is about. So I'm grateful for that. And uh, thanks so much for your service. Then with that, I pass. And thank you, Larry K. Beth W., it's your turn, followed by Devorah S. Hey, thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you for calling on me. My name is Beth W., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from uh, North Dakota and um, sitting in a hotel room in the Twin Cities of uh, Minnesota right now. Um, and I um, am grateful to be on the line. I missed a couple of meetings last week because of the conference I'm at, and it just, um, I miss you when I'm not with you. Um, and I, I, I really appreciate the story of, of our Southern friends. And the, the line that um, I am focusing on is, he thought, who thought he was, experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. The story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. And I um, flipped to his story and and the paragraph I have marked in it, on page 214, it says that, you know, he was sitting with some other people and, and another person asked him, if I believe in a power greater than myself, whether I call that power God, Allah, Confucius, prime cause, divine mind, or any other name, I told him, meaning Spitz uh, said to him, the other man, that I believe in electricity and other forces of nature, but as for God, if there is one, he has never done anything for me. And I, you know, I, I've never thought of myself as an atheist um, or an agnostic. I always believed I was a believer. I've always said that I was a believer. But on any given day, I can be an atheist. On any given day, I can be an agnostic. And on any given day, I'm a believer. And sometimes that all happens on the same day. Um, because some days I feel like, where is God? God is doing nothing for me. I'm doing it all by myself. And, and that's my controlling nature. That's me in the insanity. Um, that's me needing to stop and um, pray and invite God in again um, and to step out of God's way. Um, or when I'm in an agnostic er, uh, behavior, it means, yeah, there's God, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I don't trust God to take care of it, so I'm going to have to do it today. You know, I, God, doesn't, God doesn't have time for me or or God doesn't really know what I need. Or when I'm, a, when I'm in the place of believing, I've taken time for prayer. I've taken time for meditation. I'm calm and I'm serene. And I trust the God of my understanding that all will be well, even if it's not my way. And um, so when I, I think about that and I think about uh, this, our Southern friend and I read his story yet again, um, and I remember, um, and I don't want to be a spoiler, so I won't, but what will be coming in the next few chapters of, of, our, of our text um, when he finally gets honest with himself and uh, tell, tell myself, tell someone else about myself that I think um, life is just a little bit better. And I'll pass. Thanks for uh, a great meeting this morning.
Thank you, Beth W. Devorah S., it's your turn, followed by Nora S. Please go ahead, Devorah. Hi, good morning, and thank you so much, everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And you know, I relate to this paragraph, too. Um, I, too, went to a religious school, had a religious education, and... Um, and I didn't rebel. I didn't rebel, but I just didn't know how to use the information and um, and and to grow um, in all this in all what I was taught. Um, and it took me a lot of self-destruction in this disease in my life, um, getting in a lot of pain physically, mentally, spiritually, um, to bring me into these rooms and to and to finally, you know. Um, crawl out of that and and see what I you know the work that I needed to do here um, and that was you know honestly getting getting re- getting connected getting reconnected getting to know my God um, and um, and that's something that I you know and you know doing that you know very slowly and and um, you know the slow process and every day I have to work there. Um, I see, you know, that, you know, God is the only answer that I have today. You know, this, this, this is God gives me what I need, and and um, and I can go with it, or I can fall into this um, disillusionment and this um, point of self-destruction. Um, you know, I'm very inspired by this woman who spoke before, who said that she has no electricity for the last three weeks, and I'm thinking to myself, whoa, and here she is, like. She's living her life, you know, and this is, you know, all around us, we all have something going on. No one, nothing is 100%, but you know what? We can go, we can move forward, and that's the difference today is that, you know, back then, um, I couldn't. I was in a standstill. I didn't know which, I didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other and live because I was so blocked and so into this, into the disease, and I was in, I was immobile. It was tough. I couldn't, you know, work. I couldn't function. Um, but today, you know, I have a shot today. You know, each day I can get up in the morning and and I and I and I could be of service and I could do. Um, it doesn't have to be something big, but I'm not in myself today. I can get up, I can move, I can get to work, show up, be available to people, um, and not live in that self pity and that self destruction today. Because I have these because I'm working the steps and my life is filled with this and with all of you. And I'm just so grateful that I have another chance today um, to, lo- to grow, to live, and to seek God's will. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devorah S. And Nora S., it's your turn. Hi, this is Nora S. from Maydock, Ontario. Uh, in Canada. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I um, am struggling right now, and it's so wonderful to hear everybody's voices on the the phone today. And um, with all of your help and God's help, I think I'll I'll be okay. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody, and um, that's all I have to say. Thank you, Nora. We have time for two more shares, maybe one for sure. Would anybody like that spot? 
Naomi B. I didn't mean to say hey. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Naomi B. Would you like to go ahead, please? Yes, yes. Thank you. Good morning, family. And I don't want to. I don't want to like the expression "beat a dead horse," but this is a live horse. Um, I'm Naomi B. A grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Yes, I too love this my southern friend, but. More importantly, I also want to give a plug about our conference. The first conference we had was in uh, South Carolina, and I was all set. Oh, I couldn't wait to go. Oh, my gosh, I was so excited. My bag was packed, registration room, a hotel room, everything. In parallel with the, with the conference, my daughter was pregnant. And like a week before I was to go to conference, my daughter said, Mom, I wish you'd stay home. Well, that was like a knife through my heart. Cried to the 10th step, cried to the 10th step, okay. Fast forwarded to the second conference. Didn't get too excited, had everything done. And I went. And I have to say, that was huge. Because at one moment, I sat down with a person very knowledgeable. You see, I never had a problem. Growing up, I never had a problem with ego. Because I was always less than, and people made sure they told me so. Sitting down with this lovely soul, I was told that was still ego. Even think of less of myself was still ego because I'm thinking of myself. And that was a moment I wouldn't have had if I didn't go to the conference. And meeting everyone, putting a face to a voice, oh my gosh, it was like... It was it was like an experience I've never had in my life. And it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Forgive me for wandering off from, from the, the book and what we're studying today because this is huge. It's so important. But I'm telling you, this is an experience you really don't want to miss. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. Okay, I think we will end here. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, September 23rd, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 13430. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Ref M please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Russ M, Recover Compulsive Reader outside of Philly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us as us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and that great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely, surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you 
and keep you until then.